the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 59 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today, Again, we have running with the maybe fourth or fifth episode of content from the Motorsport Industry Conference. And today, this episode comes by Joanne Love, who has actually been a previous guest again on the podcast. She was on actually episode number two. However, today she's going to be talking about the foundation of success and she's going to share some tips and tricks on how neuroscience can help you achieve your greatest desire. So Joanne holds a business a degree in business and psychology. Um, using her knowledge to educate others on how psychology and neuroscience can can create successful performance outcomes both in Australia and overseas. Her journey started many years ago working as an elite um, swimming coach representing Australia at the 2008 Beijing Paralympics and through workshops, mentoring and speaking, she continues to help coaches and athletes achieve success, which has resulted in numerous Olympic medals and world records. We're very lucky to have the likes of herself and Stuart Walter, Vicky Saunders, um, Fiona Birch and... Jenny Atkinson, join us for the Motorsport Industry Conference, and I hope you guys are enjoying these outtakes. Hi all, my name is Joanne Love, and I'm here to talk to you about the foundations of success and how you can use your mental skills and actions to create successful outcomes for the future. It's so special that I can share my expertise with you, and I'd like to thank Belinda from Motivate Motorsport for the opportunity. Thanks, Belinda. So who has dreams about what they want from their sport? I'm sure you all do. But we may have those dreams, but then we often struggle to fully articulate what we want or know how we're going to work towards those dreams. How would you feel if you could articulate and plan them out really well for, say, the next three to five years? So no matter what happens in front of you, or no matter what obstacles you confront, you will always have the guiding principles to keep you on track and in doing so, protect your greatest asset, your mind. So just have a little think. What would, what would it look like to achieve twice as much as what's happening now? Can you see it? Looks great, doesn't it? Well, with the steps that I'm going to teach you today, I'm hoping that your dreams will soon become a reality and you will win from within. So what happens when we compete, when we win, when we lose? We have this huge roller coaster of emotions that go up and down. At the bottom, there can be upset, depression, angriness. At the top, it can be excitement or happiness. What we do know is that no two athletes are the same and what may necessarily work for one athlete won't necessarily work for another athlete. But with the information that I'm going to give you today in this presentation, it's going to help everybody handle that emotional roller coaster in a way that everybody can ride it. And this is really important because these wins and losses, they can affect us long term. They can create negative patterns within our behaviour and they can also affect us mentally. 
So it's really important that we learn how to conquer that roller coaster and take away the edges on our emotions so that we can cope with them. So what are some of the things that you may be feeling? Added to that emotional roller coaster is some of the feelings that you may be having day in, day out. You're feeling like you're not making the progress that you expected when you started the sport. You might be feeling that you're finding it hard to get motivated. Some days you want to go to train, other days you don't. Some days you want to compete, some days you don't. Or your performances may be adding to your stress levels. You're feeling like you're letting others down. You're feeling like you're letting family down. You're putting so much effort into this, but you're not getting the results and it's causing you a lot of stress. But what we do know is effective goals protect the mind. But before we go any further, I want to tell you how I got into this field and why it's so important to me. So many years ago, I had a young athlete, he's a swimmer. He was pretty good. When he was 15, he built beat Michael Phelps. You probably all know who Michael Phelps is, probably the greatest swimmer the world's ever known. 23 gold medals at the Olympics. Well, this young swimmer was as good, if not better than Michael Phelps. When he got to 18, we were coming up to our first Australian team. He needed to compete at a meet to get picked on the team. The first day of the meet, we walked into the pool. He turns to me and he goes, I can't swim today, the water's too blue. I go, what do you mean the water's too blue? He goes, no, can't swim today, the water's too blue. I turn around and go, of course the water's blue. All water's blue, it reflects, it turns blue. He wasn't having a bar of it. I knew I was in trouble. I didn't know what to do. I thought about everything that I'd learned in my coaching courses, music, he could listen to some music, he could, uh, we could do mantras, but it all meant nothing. I couldn't help him. He swam, he swam terribly. And needless to say, he basically after that event couldn't pick up the pieces and never compete again. Let me just add, he and I are still really good friends now and we talk a lot. He doesn't blame me for anything that went on, um, but it changed my life. It sent me back to uni to work on how I could be a better coach to help these athletes and I studied psychology. And it was part of this psychological training that I did research and research about how goals can affect mental health to help others so they're not in the same position as what he was. And I now know so much about how what we do in our mind and how we go about it can help our performances day in, day out. Setting goals should be a priority in sport, but the way we're doing it presently doesn't necessarily help us. So I'm going to teach you the ways that you can help yourself with these goals. The results from that research that I undertook helped me develop this model that you see on the screen now. What we do know it's long been accepted that a person's goal achievement directly determines feelings. So when they achieve, they're happy, excited. When they fail, depressed, angry. And we found those results 
when we did our study in connection with goal setting, how people set their goals. So when they constantly fail to achieve goals, we found it they were confused and devastated, opening the doors for mental health issues, and we found that their goals were ineffective, that is, unclear, possibly influenced by others, or there were goals that didn't motivate them. And in the middle of the diagram, we've got SMART goals. So SMART goals stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, timely. I'm sure you've all done SMART goals before, but what we found was they had this goal that they wanted, but they really didn't know how to get there and most of them weren't achieving it. And it left them wanting more. And then right at the very top, we had those who set clear, concise goals and it created feelings of happiness. They were achieving a lot more often, but even when they did fail, they were reflective. They could pick up the pieces and move on quickly. So how do you become an effective goal setter? Well, you need three elements. You need effectiveness, a well-designed strategy. Focus, it's your clarity, your commitment, and your check-ins. And lastly, influence, it's your values and what you stand for, which means that you can create a map that will provide you with the momentum and the motivation that will deliver the success that you're after while protecting your mindset for years to come. So you're probably thinking, what's the difference between a SMART goal setter and an effective goal setter? Well, SMART goals are just a touch point in being an effective goal setter. So if you look at the little diagram down in the corner, you'll see that we need some challenge to get ourselves in the flow and that's where we perform our best. When the challenge is too hard, we end up getting very stressed. When the challenge is too easy, it's too far in the distance, we get bored and complacent. And that's what happens when people set SMART goals. They stop there. They don't set any other little goals. And the distance between the goal that they want to achieve and their current position disheartens them. They become bored, they become complacent. And then the brain invents pathways that are sometimes illogical or not helpful. Whereas an effective goal setter has created a guided path that helps keep them motivated throughout the journey. An effective goal setter is an achiever, whereas a smart goal setter is just a dreamer. And the, the smart goal setter often gets gridlocked by constant failure, unlike the effective goal setter, who's undergoing transformational change in all areas of their life. So knowing all this, you could say that the effective goal setter is also the clever goal setter. So do you know how good your goals are? We have a little test that you can take to see where you sit with your goals and whether you need to make some changes. This will be included in our information that comes with this podcast. So let's move on now, because I'm going to teach you some of the steps to help you create focus that is effective and that will influence your mindset for years to come and unlock the success that you want. So step one, your why guides you. Our goals will mean nothing to us unless you have a why and that why has a purpose. So why do you play sport? Why do you do this? When I ask those that are participating in sport, they often answer because I simply love racing. But if we don't have a purpose, 
We don't have a reason why we're doing this. It's easy to become distracted or lose our way. We might race because we love the fun of it or being with our friends or because we want to win. We need to know why and we need to know what that purpose is. When we know our purpose and it's clear and well articulate, that's what separates the best athletes from all the others. And a great example of that is a sailor by the name of Peter Blake. He was a New Zealand yachtsman who'd, who'd won a lot of races, Whitbread, Round the World Race, the Jewel Verne's Trophy, many, many races he'd run in sailing. And he wanted to add one more to his trophy collection, and that was the America's Cup, the 1995 America's Cup. To be a challenger in the America's Cup, you need so much money, but you also need lots of other things to get the boat ready. This includes the sails, the ropes, the winches, the rigging, the crew, the crew training. I could go on and on. It was a really complicated endeavor and prioritizing what you need to do right was really crucial. So Peter set about setting one effective purpose for this challenge that everybody, himself included, could focus on so that he would win. So he didn't use fancy spreadsheets or, you know, calculate how much the special keel goes compared to others. He just focused on one single purpose. Will it make the boat go faster? It engaged everybody. It kept everybody focused. Everybody knew what they had to do. They made, the team made every decision based on that one simple yet powerful purpose. Will it make the boat go faster? So when they were thinking about training and their team composition, will it make the boat go faster? When they were thinking about the sails they wanted to use, will it make the boat go faster? Everything was driven by that guiding principle, that one purpose. Not only did it align the team, but it also let them win the America's Cup in 1995, and they also went to back it up in 2000. Their purpose was crystal clear. It guided them for all future action, and it was this conviction in what they were doing that drove their success. And when we have those three things, when we have the, the crystal clear purpose, the guidance and the conviction it allows the brain to relax and focus on what it needs to, to do rather than adding stress about worrying about all the uncertainty that's going on. Will this work? Will this not work? So think about your goals. Yes or no, do your goals have a purpose? Step two. Your goals are more than SMART. We've talked earlier about SMART goals. So many people set SMART goals and they stop there. We now know the distance between where they are now and the goal they want to achieve means that they usually become bored and complacent in their actions to get going. Even the best of us struggle to join the dots on how we're going to get from where we are now to the next point. In fact, the brain doesn't like going forward but prefers working backwards. We call that reverse planning. So when we set our goals, we need to know where we want to be in the future, and then we need to work backwards from that point in little steps. And just recently, researchers have uncovered a new trait called planfulness, 
and they've found that when people plan out their actions, they're more likely to reach their goals. When we put the two together, we have some really powerful action. And a great example of that is Elisa Camplin. Elisa Camplin was a great athlete. In fact, you could say she was a little bit like a female version of Eddie the Eagle, if you've seen the movie Eddie the Eagle. She wanted to go to the Olympics so badly. She was a great gymnast, a great gym, uh, trampolinist, but Australia would not go to the Olympics and she would not go to the Olympics unless six other girls could perform well enough to put Australia on the roster for the Olympics. So she thought, what else can I do? What else can I use my talents for? And she picked aerial skiing. But interestingly, she'd actually never been on skis in her life. So she said about planning. She used reverse planning. She thought that she could make the Olympics for the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympic Games, which was eight years away. So she set off and went, right, in eight years time, I don't only want to be at the Olympics, but I want to win gold. And then she said, right, for seven years, I've got to probably be in the top three in the world. In six years, I've got to be on the international circuit. And she worked backwards from there, knowing that she needed a lot of other things. She backward planned, she reversed plan what she needed to do to make her achieve her success. And as we say, the rest is history. She went on and won that gold medal. But it was this planning and the power it gave her that helped her to overcome a more tragic event, the devastating loss of her son, Finian. Rather than let grief take over her life, she found out that a lot of children die of the same issue. So she went about creating a charity. She needed to know how much money she needed to help those children. And again, she worked backward to put things in place so other children can survive where her son didn't. So when we put the two together, we have some very, a very powerful action. So now the question's for you. Do you have a guided path with lots of little steps on how you're gonna achieve your goals working backwards or is that pathway incomplete? So it's either a yes or a no. Are your goals more than smart? Step three, are you a clever goal setter? So earlier on, I told you about my athlete, my great swimmer. In between his failure that I spoke about and him trying again a few more times, he worked with a psychologist to visualize his next race. It was actually quite successful, but one of the things she left out was giving him a time to swim. And unfortunately, he missed out on making the Olympics by 0.1. But seeing the success of that visualisation, I went, wow. And now there's a lot of research to say that the more that we can visualise, the more our brain believes what's going on inside our head is going to occur. And in fact, that's because of one simple part in the back of our brain. It's called the reticular activating system. It acts a little bit like a filter. So if ever you've gone to, to do something and you find you see it all the time, it's because your reticular activating system or your RAS for short, takes over 
and it filters out all unnecessary things and concentrates on that thing that you want. So what happens in our brains is we have about 8 million bits of information throwing through our brain and the RAS eliminates all those things we don't want to know about, all that noise. And what it wants to concentrate in, on is what it knows that we want to see. So when we visualise something and we put it down on paper is even better, your RAS goes into overdrive. So it operates a little bit like Google, gets rid of all the stuff we don't want and thinks about the stuff we do want. As I said in the last slide, it's great to have the picture in your head, but we also need to get it down on paper. We also need to write down what our goals are. And research has proven how strong and powerful this can be. In a study in Harvard, they asked a class of students, one, if they had any goals, and 84% had no goals. 14% had goals, but they weren't written, and 3% had written down goals that 3% earn more money than the rest of the class did. So that's how much success you can get from writing your goals down. So we know now that the act of drawing and writing your goals down helps your mind to absorb your goals in your memory and work towards them with less thought. So a little tip that I'll give you here, write down what your future bio looks like. So if you had to fill in a job application, what would it look like? If you want to see yourself in five years time, what would it look like? So the question for you, are you writing and visualizing your goals regularly? So is it yes or no? Are you a clever goal setter? Step four, a systemized approach. Do your goals scare you a little bit? Is your big overall goal moderately hard? or is it seemingly impossible, or is it way too easy? This graph is all about your systolic blood pressure. That's the top figure when you have your blood pressure taken. So for example, if you get a score of 120 over 80, it's that 120. And what happens is systolic blood pressure rises when you're about to take action. It actually helps you take that action. So if we make our goals impossible, as you can see on the table, that's when our systolic blood pressure is at its lowest. When our goals are easy, it's not too bad. But when it's moderately hard, it's actually at its highest and that propels us to act. And the other part of the equation in a systemized approach is steps. Now, you can't eat an elephant in one sitting, can you? You'd look at it and go, okay, what can I possibly eat today? Maybe what can I preserve or put in the fridge to eat later on in the week? What do I need to put aside to store in the freezer for later on in the year? Well, it's exactly the same approach with goals. What are the little steps you need to do now? What are the short-term goals that you need to do daily? What are those that you need to do weekly? What about monthly? Because we just can't take one big step to our goals. We've got to break it right down. And as I said before, with the systolic blood pressure in the past slide, what we should actually do is set two goals that are relatively easy and one goal that should challenge us a little bit more, but not so impossible that our brain doesn't believe it. So the question is, 
Do you have short-term and long-term goals? Do you review them on a regular basis, daily, weekly, monthly, to ensure you're still on track? So, yes or no, do you have a systemized approach? Step five, you reward yourself regularly. So I'm going to talk a little bit about drugs, but no, it's okay. These are the body's natural drugs. So in the last slide, I spoke about two easy and one slightly harder that's going to stretch your goal, and I'll explain to you why now. So have a think about it. Does this sound like you? You've had a great race. You've won or you've come away with a fantastic result, and then later that day you felt really low. You just don't feel like even getting yourself out of bed. You've got no energy, you're feeling zapped. Well, that's the result of a chemical called dopamine. And what it does, it gives you a hangover. It's a little bit like sugar. And your parents, or you may, as parents, you probably know all about this with red cordial. You have a big load of sugar, it gives you a rush. An hour or two later, you come crashing down. Well, dopamine's much the same. When you achieve a big goal, you have this big influx of dopamine. Then afterwards, your dopamine levels drop drastically when it gives you this emotional low. So a little bit more about dopamine. It's a chemical that responds to our goals. It drives us and motivates us towards our goals. And when you get these goals, it gives you a reforcing surge of pleasure. We all want it because it feels good. But as I said, if you have too much of it, then it can give you a crashing low. But what we do know is there's a lot of people out there in today's world that are actually low in dopamine. And when you're low in dopamine, it means you've got self-doubt, lack of enthusiasm, and it can actually lead to depression. Whereas those that are high in dopamine or have good levels of dopamine are more competitive, more motivated towards their more goals and more motivated towards competition. So what if we could raise our dopamine levels naturally to make us more competitive and hopefully improve our outcomes in the long run? Well, it's really easy to help build our dopamine levels. What we need to do is set clear, concise goals with lots of little finish lines. So you don't want one big goal at the very end. You want lots of little goals. And what we need to do is we need to reward ourselves after every goal. And rewards don't need to be in flash. It can be something as simple as, you know, playing a computer game if you get goal, or, you know, you might need to get your support crew on board, your parents or your friends. And it could be a favourite meal or going to the movies. And coaches, if you're listening, you may want to recognise that athlete in front of the others and put their name in a newsletter or something similar. There's a myriad of ways you can celebrate, but it's this celebrating that's going to help you increase your dopamine level and making yourself more competitive and also helping to protect your mind. So you're probably thinking, well, how do we need to get over the hangover then? Well, we don't want the hangover effect because that makes us miserable after a win. And sometimes it's the that low that sort of says, well, is it all worth it? Do I want to go on or do I want to quit? So the easiest way to get over and well, not to have a dopamine low is to set continuous goals. So as soon as you're getting close to your big goal, set another big goal that's going to leapfrog over it. So once you've competed, instead of coming crashing down, you'll only go down a little bit because you've got that other goal in your view. So when I spoke earlier in the last slide, 
we spoke about two moderate goals and then one a little bit harder. So you should have two goals that you can you can get to, you can achieve. That way you can reward yourself, build your dopamine levels and one at a stress. So just think about that. Every time you set your goals, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, make sure you have two easy that you can achieve and one that's going to stretch you. So the question is yes or no, do you reward yourself regularly? You're not a pushover. Step six, everything we do is a matter of conscious choice. Or we go to the gym, or we stay home, or we watch a movie. But these decisions we make about what we do are top down. And they're guided by what we need as a human being. Do we need water? Do we need food? Or our responsibility. Um, should I be doing that for my mother? Should I be doing that for my friend? And these decisions are based on our values and our belief. And they're always directed towards a purpose. But sometimes these decisions get, can get hijacked by our ego. For example, when we're told we're good at sport, which we might have started playing because our best friend was playing it and we like the enjoyment of being with our friend, our ego kicks in and our motivation changes to competitive. But our ego can become our enemy. It can block our view of reality and create unrealistic expectations and ends up making you reliant on validation for success. And sometimes your ego can overestimate your own abilities. It can underestimate the amount of effort and skill required to achieve your goals. So, you know, we might get told we're good at playing footy and then we think we don't need to practice because we're so good at it. You know, we've already got the skills. And sometimes our ego makes it harder for you to achieve your goals. And what happens is we end up thinking that we deserve to be on the top team, um, especially if you've had some really good efforts of late. And what we want is we want recognition. We want our parents to say how good we are all the time, or we may want titles or payments. It affects our choices. So you have a choice. You have a choice to do impressive work and control that ego, or you can impress somebody and that's when the ego takes over. So the question is, yes or no? Are you a pushover? Step seven, you've got a backup strategy. This is our very last step, we're nearly there. So some days are gonna be harder than others to maintain our focus. Unfortunately, our dreams become undone when we break our goals and we can't get back on track. So there's some really easy strategies to help overcome this. So one of those great strategies is if-then statements. As I said earlier, our brain's a bit like a computer. So we heard about it with the RAS that it can filter, but it's also great at making connections between X and why. So if X happens, Y should happen. So for example, when we're dieting, if we have one big biscuit, then we usually go, oh, I broke my goal, so I might as well eat a few more. And sure enough, half an hour later, you've eaten the whole box. But our goals can still be created if we have statements, if then statements, because they stop us from going on and eating that whole box. So for example, if I eat one biscuit, then I'll stop at one. Or if I eat one biscuit, 
then I'll run on the treadmill for 10 minutes. So as I said earlier, our brain is great at remembering if X occurs, then Y happens. Plan is extremely powerful because it creates the behavior that we need to follow. And in fact, this method's so powerful that people who use it are 300 times more likely to reach their goals. Um, it also creates good habits. So you can think about what are some of the obstacles that stop you from going forward? You know, write them down. What's the if? What's the end? It all comes down to preparation. Another great strategy is to have a buddy. You're not a machine, so it's more than likely you're going to fail at some start, stage. But it will really help if you've got a support system to get you back on track. Your buddy will help make you accountable for your goals. And research has shown that involving others in your goals, even delegating aspects of them to others, is a key driver to helping you achieve your goals. So think of it like a, a rocket trying to leave Earth's atmosphere. It needs boosters to take off and get you into action. And then once it's in outer space, it gets rid of that, that booster. So if we have no support, we have no booster to help us get us there. So a buddy can be a friend or somebody on the same pathway. It may be one of your other competitors, or it can even be an app. There's plenty of apps out there that can help you do a similar thing. But really the best type is somebody who is on the same journey as you, somebody who's got similar goals, but it needs to be somebody you trust and somebody will help, help you keep you committed. And it might just be a reminder call once a week, catch up, hey, how'd you go with that goal? Did you make it? And it just, what can I do to help you? So have a think about it. Who could be your best buddy on your journey? But now time to answer the question, yes or no, do you have a backup strategy? So hopefully now with those seven steps completed, you've taken away what you need to do to improve. So have a think about it, which is the one step that's gonna make the biggest impact on your goals and your future success? And I've got a lovely picture here up on the screen. This is a picture that a gentleman by the name of Felix Baumgartner drew when he was five. It was a picture of himself parachuting down to the earth from right up near the sun while his family watched on. He was only a child when he started to predict what he wanted to do in the future. Watch on now and have a look at this video.
So how awesome was that? That was really awesome, wasn't it, to see Felix jump out of the sky. He set his goals very early on, knew what he wanted to do. Not only did he set goals for himself, but he set goals for every other team member as part of that jump. So he knew that it was going to be achieved. So hopefully you can take away what you need to do today to go on to make your dreams become a reality. And if you'd like any further assistance with anything that you need to do, please feel free to reach out. But as I said earlier on, go online. Have a look at how good your goals are. We've got a new online course starting very soon, all about goals. A great way to plan out your goals and know where you've got ahead. But again, if you want any help, please feel free to reach out. Thanks, Belinda, for having me. Thank you for everybody for listening. Bye for now. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.